Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm okay. Didn't We didn't get anything um, in the... Uh, uh, in the P.O. box. In the P.O. box this week, so I don't have any... I, 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 we, I like to... Uh, I feel like we should try to get something weekly. I think yeah, that's... Yeah, I like to give a, what they call a shout-out to the mm-hmm. people who, um, who, who who send us stuff for free, mm-hmm. um, because I think it um, rewards their effort and hopefully entices more people sent to send us free stuff. And though I am 30, coming up on 31, I still do really enjoy getting mail and getting stuff in the mail addressed to me. Uh, I hear, you know, every day I'll hear the the mail lady uh, come by and and very noisily open our mailbox. My my, my grandpa would have called it the female man. (laughs) Uh, Grandpas. Uh, I I get my sense of humor from I know you do. Believe me, I know you do. uh, He he built some new shelves in the den at one point and couldn't stop telling everyone that he was very proud of of my shelf. That was my grandpa. Uh, it is unfortunate we have a guest <laughs> that and he had to hear that. But um, he was also a real estate agent who worked from home even after he had retired. He worked a little bit and he had a home office in the basement with a sign above the desk that said "Realtors have lots on their minds." Oh. <laughs> this is all Excuse stuff me. I love. That's uh, all right. Sorry, we okay. do have a guest. We should get. Yeah, to yeah. It. I was just gonna. I was. I was gonna like <laughs> just be like, hey, here's a little slice of life. Uh, I enjoy getting mail, and then I didn't uh, expect all these delightful grandpa jokes. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, okay. But they fit well. Um, we have a guest, so let's get uh, some stuff out of the way. We don't have anyone to thank because they didn't send us any free stuff. But we sure P- don't. The P.O. box is on the website. You can find it there. Um, but I want to tell you that uh, if you want something sent to you uh, for free, you have to pay for it, but you don't have to pay for the shipping. <laughs> you go to tweakedaudio.com. That's tweakedaudio.com right. slash pretension. Mm-hmm. And uh, tweakedaudio.com, what they make is... Uh, they make professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, so if you go to tweakedaudio.com, that's what you get. You go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get that at one third off with free shipping. All right. So I wanted to mention that. You do that every week and I had no idea where you were headed. That's really something. Because uh, you were really kind of going a roundabout way. Th- I think the, our ability to surprise each other is what keeps our relationship spicy. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, but, uh, Okay, yeah. So I think... Yes, I don't have it in front of me, so we'll, I'll just wing it. Um, I should they, have it in They front did of already me. reach their goal. Yes, yeah, so the... Let me the, ask you some questions. Okay. Do you like comic books? Yeah, sure. Do you like Hitmen? Do you uh, like Irish pigs? David, you're not giving me a chance to answer. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, there's a Kickstarter. All you got to do is go to battleshipretention.com, mm-hmm. and on the right side of the uh, of the screen, you'll see a, a banner, a skyscraper ad is what they call that, that's, right. that's uh, uh, taller than it is wide, uh, for a Kickstarter for a comic book called Hit. Hit. I'm sorry, it's Hit. Yes. Because it's got an exclamation, exclamation point at the end. Yeah. And it's about a... Uh, it's about an Irish hitman who wears a cool, creepy pig mask. Yeah. Now, and it's about two, I believe it's two hitmen, one with a pig mask, one with a wolf mask. And uh, so click on that banner ad, watch their little video for the Kickstarter page. Uh, it looks very interesting. Uh, they are already fully funded, but they are still accepting money, and that money goes right back into the comic book. And you can still qualify for the the prize, the rewards, they call them on Absolutely. at certain levels. Even though they've hit their goal, still, if you want to get like the, the cool free stuff they're offering, which is all there on the page. Yeah. Uh, if you want to chip that. in at the highest level and get that free trip to San Diego Comic-Con, go right ahead. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure they would love it. So I want to mention, at under four minutes, this is probably the quickest we've ever gotten to the guest. 
which feel, is something for us. I know. It's very exciting. We really tend exciting. to waste people's time when they come up here, uh, especially... Uh, now, let's talk about... I mean, the listener as well. We waste their time yes. as well. But um, uh, this, this this guest, it's his, it's his first time on the show. We're very happy to have him. Um, the, a lot, uh, we have a lot of listeners who also listen to our friends over at Never Not Funny, so you might have heard him there. Um, uh, he, he also works on... Um, uh, oh, you just told me the name of it. Love You Mean It. Love You Mean It mm-hmm. on E! Mm-hmm. Uh, and is a very funny stand-up comedian in his own right. Ladies and gentlemen, Julian McCullough. Hello, everyone. How are you? It's, it's, I'm good. Hey, guys. <laughs> uh, two things. One, my grandfather's joke was uh, we'd get to a restaurant. He would say, uh, pick your seat, then find a place to sit down. <laughs> and then... Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, I love comic books. I'm a huge noir comic book reader. Oh, this oh, sounds this very much right so. I'm going to check out that ad and, and see what those guys. I like that. They're, we're fully funded, but we're still accepting money. Oh, are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How generous of you as authors. Such is the nature with uh, Kickstarter. Like, part of me, when they got fully funded, I was just like, are they going to need us anymore? I mean, they got the minimum, but then I, a uh, friend of the show, Adam Rebitaro, who has uh, the card game Sentinels of the Multiverse, they do a Kickstarter. They're funded within a few hours, and like, it'll be a Kickstarter for like twenty thousand dollars. That's funded within a few hours. Wow! And then they wind up getting a total of like eighty thousand dollars over the course of who is a this? Month. Uh, just a friend of ours who does, kicked uh, off this little uh, this little like uh, what's it called? Like a cooperative card game. It's like sort a, of, like a magic, like magic the Gathering, something like that. Yeah. That I played for four years. Oh, okay. <laughs> it sounds to me like you would enjoy Sentinels of the Multiverse. Oh, it's a god! Superhero related thing. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like the uh, the iconography of magic. All you know right, what I mean? Enough. And I, I never really... Because uh, I remember the, a vampire one came out very soon thereafter Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. originally came out. And I was like completely uninterested because <laughs> I was just like, I don't like the pictures. You're like, okay. a, you're like a you niche know? with a I want to summon. I want to summon a creature. Okay, fair enough. You know, I want it to be uh, some variation of a goblin or, uh, you know, I liked the traditional D&D nature of Magic the Gathering, so... Well, I, I never played it. Uh, I was so they're a Kickstarter. Wait, wait. So they they every they sell out a few hours. What with, with cards, they'll send you cards. Is that the idea? Well, basically, uh, with the Kickstarter, I, I I gave to the first one. They've had like several because they'll do expansions, and right? They'll fund expansions, and of course, this wound up being a commercial for Sentinels of the Multiverse. They're not paying us, but uh, <laughs> ah, let's stop talking about it. No, it's fine. Or we'll it's, edit it I, out. I've played it, and it's worth and it's and worth talking. Adam about. has done a lot of free graphic design stuff for us in the past. That's so. true, Thanks. and he and he provides us with uh, Adam spoils everything. The occasional uh, yes, bit yes. we have where he gets movies completely wrong. You can find wrong. that. Oh, that's fun. So, um, but yeah, and so they they keep doing these uh, these expansions, and the first the initial game was very um, gained a lot of popularity, and uh, the rewards are just uh, like here's a here's like a limited edition card that you would get for funding that oh sure else will get oh well that would be highly desirable. I, I, magic was a uh, that the whole thing is it's collect that's yeah. you collect cards. That's like yeah. the main thing. So I can imagine if there was a Kickstarter for Magic where you got a specific limited edition card it would be like a huge deal and Mm. i could totally understand that and i was so over christmas i was in springfield missouri visiting my mom and uh, i happened to be driving along and i pulled into a comic book store looking thinking that perhaps they would have uh, some riddler figures they had one but i already have it um of course i collect i collect riddler figures the one i have is unfortunately riddler on the wall yeah the riddler yeah why the riddler because he's awesome (laughs) yeah but that's uh would presuppose that none of the other villains in batman are awesome okay well uh 
I will not go into the full spiel. Uh, I I relate a lot to the Riddler, and frankly, I think anybody who has uh, anybody any like movie nerd mm-hmm. or something like that online who has a blog or a podcast or something, I think the Riddler is sort of their patron saint because it's somebody who is not merely smart but wants everybody to know how smart he is. Uh. But in wanting that, he is giving other people the key to his own downfall. Because what we are doing is we are putting ourselves out there saying we know a lot about movies. Right. Watch. Or rather, listen. Listen to how much we know about movies. But then if that person says, you don't know a lot about movies, then we are then crushed. Ah, uh, so I, yeah. The, it's like the, a... The Riddler is a very tragic character. A tragic narcissist. Very much. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, The whole internet can relate to that. So I went into this... uh, And I don't like to make fun of other nerds, but boy, oh boy. I went went into (laughs) this comic book store... And I, uh, and I went in, saw that they only had the one Riddler, but I didn't want to be a jerk, walk in, and then leave. And while I was there, there was this uh, group of guys uh, sitting around a table. They were playing a Magic the Gathering type game. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know all the terms. They might have been playing that actual game. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's still the most popular. Is it? Okay, yeah. it's still going? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, I mean, it, it's one of those, it's like, wow, I, it's, I feel bad. You guys really just embraced that stereotype from, like, The Simpsons <laughs> and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Because they were, like, aggressive with each other, and the, their voices were, like, high-pitched. And they, yeah. They really seemed like comic book guy from The Simpsons. And I was like, look, I'm a, I'm a movie nerd. We all have our thing. But, like, boy, man, like, these there, guys are rough. <laughs> I shouldn't bring this up because I don't know his exact name, but there's a guy on the Internet that's famous because he is the most it's it's unreal this guy is like an avatar for that character um he's unbelievable and he's he's gets like like hundreds of thousands of hits on youtube because guys will play him and just film him while they're uh-huh. playing him because he freaks out so much <laughs> oh, at magic flip the table yeah flip the table yeah that's him yeah, yeah. That, yeah it's amazing and he's like i can't believe you're gonna do this this is impossible I can't do this. you know and then he flips the table it's the best it's yeah the best these guys sounded like the impression that we all do of nerds but part of <laughs> but we're all like i mean nobody actually sounds like no this. no they, that came from somewhere i mean it's not right. like the simpsons just invented this person yeah and i used to play when i played i was in, i started in seven uh, seventh grade and played through 10th and i look out back on it now and i was basically a child and mm-hmm. almost everyone else was that old and it's just so weird to think that i was like in that world for so long with mm-hmm. these guys it was just very strange i did i did think it's like hey well these guys play these games they're probably uh aware of this I'll, i should ask them hey have you guys you know do a little bit of uh, you know plug for my friend and say have you guys heard of sentinels of the multiverse i listened for about 30 seconds like i don't think i want to talk to these guys i think i'm just gonna <laughs> so, so yeah i just yeah. i just got out of there it's like he's doing fine with his eighty thousand dollar kickstarters he doesn't need my help part of me has and maybe this isn't the podcast for this conversation but uh i've i've kind of always had this like f- um fantasy where like uh, it, I don't know if you guys ever have this where you just have an alternate life daydream where like you're like if I were gonna lead a different life it would be this one and and some people probably have like private detective or I don't know mm-hmm. mine is that I'm a guy who who has no drama in his life at all because my entire life is is like comic books and Magic the Gathering and all that stuff and there's no like all my friends are in that world and there's just like your life is just it's just you and maybe a cat and you just collect and, you, and it's like because the whole reason those guys play those games is because they have control over all, everything that happens in that world mm-hmm. and it's so it's a very like low stress very you know existence because the outside world is not exactly very uh, welcoming of these personality <laughs> types you know what I mean so it's an escapism I'm not I'm not like so just 
just but be, but to be able to live that and do it really well and have like kind of a little bit of money and like do, have the coolest figures and all that kind of stuff to just be like a like a like a lord nerd would be, is like one of my fantasies. A surprising number of my sentences these days start with "If I were an eccentric millionaire," right? And it's usually I would not do anything, and I would watch all the movies I've been meaning to watch. Yeah, I'd read all the books I've been meaning to read. You'd have a theater. You'd have oh, your absolutely. own movie theater. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, you ever think like uh, I always think like if I had like if I were on if I were a guest like on Letterman or some some place where I had the opportunity to talk to the nation like mm-hmm. what would i say and it would don't be, talk during movies that's mine you know what mine would be what's that on an escalator stand to the right walk to the left that drives me fucking nuts this might have something to do with why you've never been asked to be on david letterman because <laughs> <laughs> that is not it, something that america gives a shit about um, they, they, it, exactly it, it, and that's the problem <laughs> Julian. yes exactly right yeah, yeah because i take i take public transportation to and from work so i'm going up and down the uh into the into the subway and i'll often just take can i just stairs. point out that we live in los angeles and that's <laughs> insane that you yeah. take public transportation okay uh, go you know continue what? it's overcrowded all the time so really yes, yes. public transportation yeah there's Who a knew? lot of us uh <laughs> a lot of us ple- plebes wow uh, all right traveling the tunnels yeah um and I, I usually just take the stairs but every once in a while i'll see like oh it looks like the escalator's open mm. and then two guys will just like clog both sides yeah yeah, I, yeah I hate it i don't think i don't think the escalator was made to make it like to uh to aid us in our laziness i feel like the escalator is made to get us to the top faster right so you're supposed to walk up the escalator. you see the That's world's small. smallest escalator it's in japan it's uh 32 inches long <laughs> seriously it's real it's in the basement of a shopping center mm-hmm. and it it's like this far and it just goes like that and there's no re- and it goes down too it's not even going up <laughs> it's real you can google it it's amazing Okay, now um, I wanted to ask you some questions about yourself. Okay, while we still have the topic on the table about uh, Magic: The Gathering, and sure. That and 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 you mentioned goblins and stuff. Uh-huh. Have blue you seen... black, blue black was my deck. Okay, sorry, okay. that's what I, sorry. I was, uh, thought I was anticipating your question. Sorry, I left my keys there. <laughs> um, have you seen The Hobbit? Yes. And did you like it? Uh, you mean The Hobbit: An Unexpected Nap? Hey, uh, <laughs> hold on. I tweeted that exact. Joke. I know. That's where I got it from. Oh, you did. <laughs> I was like, um, oh, great minds. No, it's, uh, I did see it. I, let's see. What, what's the question? Do you have a question? A direct did, question? Did you like it? Um, and did, did you like the Lord of the Rings? I struggled with it. The Lord of the Rings is superior, but I think that, uh, the Hobbit, I felt very alienated by it. I feel I felt very like because uh, it's it's creature driven. It's not very. There's no humans, really, and right, and right. I even count hobbits in that category. I mean, there's only one. Yeah, and it's all, you know, at one point mountains are fighting each other and and, for and no trolls reason. for no reason, and then it stops for no reason. Yeah, it's like weather. It's like <laughs> extreme weather back then was like <laughs> mountains are fighting. Um, <laughs> But so you got trolls, you got goblins, you know, and and so it just started to feel a little claustrophobic. I don't know if it was the the um, style of the film or whatever, but I just kind of started to feel like it was just one headache involving a fictional creature after uh-huh. another, uh-huh. and it just I don't know, it all kind of ran together. But I still got through the whole thing and didn't didn't mind it too much. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I would give it like a six. I uh, I really hate it. <laughs> yeah, you really hate it. I'm being generous. I don't know why. I think I just like Peter Jackson. And you know, I went um, and I did because after I watched The Hobbit, I went back and I watched Fellowship of the Ring. Um, 
the the first Lord of the Rings movie just to remind myself like yeah I I did like this stuff it was yeah, it yeah, was yeah. really good and I I think one of the biggest things I noticed is that uh pretty much all the orcs in mm-hmm. the Hobbit are like motion capture CGI or or at least aided by that mm-hmm. whereas in Fellowship of the Ring ten years they're ago dudes in costumes dudes in costumes and it's way more scary and yeah. awesome yeah. Oh, yeah. that they're men. Because yeah. and they and they exist thought, in the same place as the our heroes right. and stuff. Yeah, I think I think it just looked too it looked too alienating. It wasn't. It's just yeah. It's it's not a very good movie, and I, I I feel bad because for some reason I like that there's this enterprise of of hot, of Tolkien movies being uh-huh. made with huge budgets and people that are just basically a bunch of really intelligent nerds that are really trying to do a good job on these grand scale things. So I kind of like that it's out there, but it just this one sucked. Yeah. You know. Okay. But I remember the first time I saw orcs in the first movie, I was like, "Whoa, like this is terrifying." I did not expect <laughs> Because I thought it was almost going to be kind of for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then those orcs showed up, and I was like, if I brought my six-year-old to this, like if I was six and I saw that, I would have I had nightmares for five years. Yeah. yeah. You know? It was crazy. You know, it's a weird thing. There are the, – it's weird the stuff – like I'm, I'm 30 now, as I mentioned earlier, and I – but there are still things that like from when I was a kid, just ideas sometimes or just situations that you'll see in movies and TV – that still just like make me so uneasy and the idea of just being like outmatched but by creatures that have no mercy like yeah exactly enough, like the um, there's no humanity in yeah them. you can't and, appeal to them right you can't appeal to the i'm gonna say the term the fighting like, the fighting orukai like you can't appeal to them right and much like the monsters. japanese in the second world war <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm totally kidding <laughs> Well, look, we were all thinking. That's what we were taught. That's what we were taught, by the way. Our country at the time was taught that they were an unfeeling race. That's a good place to put a pin in the movie conversation right there. (laughs) And let's get to know Julian a bit. But but I completely agree with your sentiment. That is terrifying. And it's like my... uh, It's just a horde of Yeah, and it it, it can even be just one. We'll get get to the get to know you in a moment. Though I feel like we just got to know you quite a bit with your uh, racism. (laughs) Ah, come on. It was a joke. I know. Uh, It's fine. Um, But the... uh, I wasn't much of a Star Trek fan, but that episode, and there's, I'm sure everybody knows it, uh, where it's basically just Kirk versus this lizard monster on like a desert, deserted planet or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I know nothing of Star Trek. I don't really either. I don't. The, I'm sure that monster has a name. I'm sure the planet has yeah. a name, and I'm sure the episode has a name. I know nothing. Are the phones that. lighting up right now, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember. I just remember that, and it's like, and Kirk can't get away. It's just him and this thing and this thing it's it's just meant to kill that's it and yeah. you can't get away from it and that to me is very and lord of the rings is full of that sam fighting the giant spider right and uh and so watching it now i'm like man this is this is just constant peril yeah and really it's, but it's it's, it's, it's effective it's effective and it's also intentional and that's yeah. what's it's that's what makes it good is that you know the whole idea of saruman or saron which one's the evil presence the eye sauron sauron, sauron. sauron. that's the whole point is that it's it's unflinching evil yeah and and so to put it in, in these creatures and give them you know bodies of some kind and, and have them have us have to face them over and over and over is like really gets the point across mm-hmm. you know that simple acts of kindness is really the only way you're going to get through mm-hmm. the day and bravery yeah. and all that i mean it's like all that lessons he was trying to teach his kids when he wrote the books mm-hmm. and it's just i don't know yeah it's it's effective and great and that's why it's great but the hobbit felt more like a series of misadventures you know just kind of like monotonous 
Yeah, you and know? Like, uh, I didn't get that feeling from it. Another comparison I got when I went back and watched Fellowship of the Ring, the sort of like prologue of Fellowship of the Ring that has the like flashback to the original defeat of Sauron or whatever, yeah. and uh, and Kate Blanchett's voiceover is like it's pretty swift. You get to you get, you get to the Shire pretty quickly, right? Whereas the Hobbit starts with like fifteen minutes in the like old, oh yeah, like my Dwight, my or, wife when we watched it, she she goes she she was like the the prologue uh, ended and she goes. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> She's like, who am I even caring about in this? What is this? Right. Well, you know, that's that's the thing. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and and I'm sure I've said it on the show before, but like one of the most important things, I think, for a movie, especially a fantasy film or sci-fi, is like uh, an entry point. Usually the best way to do that is with a character. And you look at the, like the original Star Wars films, we've got... Mm. Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, more so Luke Skywalker because we're sort of introduced with him. He's somebody who is kind of similar to us, and and Han Solo is very similar to us in insofar as like they see all this kind of crazy fantasy stuff, and there's like I don't understand this, right? And then with Luke, his arc is that he does he gets to understand it and starts to embrace it, and his arc is like ours. We start to understand it and start to embrace it. Yeah. Then the new ones. There is no Luke. There is no Han. It's just everybody talks like Obi-Wan Kenobi, and ever, and it's just a given. And right. So, and suddenly it's just like, I need someone to at, at least acknowledge that this is all kind of silly and that I'd rather have a blaster by my side. Like, I yeah, want yeah, someone yeah. to at least say that. And I feel like with Lord of the Rings, Frodo and the other hobbits, admittedly they're hobbits and they think a little bit differently than humans, but they're still like, they're thrust into an adventure that they are not at all prepared for, yeah. not unlike us, whereas... The character of Bilbo, and I'm sure Martin Freeman does a good job. But you, you haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Oh. It was I had the choice of either seeing that or Zero Dark Thirty. I think I chose. You made, the, made the right choice. Yeah, and you stayed so, home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding. But uh, I'm not in favor of torture. But um, and so the uh, so yeah, but like with with the character of Bilbo, like he does seem to be a bit more kind of uh, goofy and poppy and free spirited than than Frodo was. Frodo seems like a just kind of a regular guy, regular character, Luke Skywalker type. And so, and of course in the, in fellowship, like they get right into the Shire cause that they need to get to our entry point before we get kind of left in the dust. Whereas this other one, it sounds like 15 minutes and like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they, uh, at this point I feel like, uh, Peter Jackson feels like the people that are watching this movie have the book. They're following along. <laughs> yeah, they've right. seen all of his movies. They've read all of his interviews. They're like, you know, basically scholars of his, of the stories of, at this point. And he shouldn't have assumed that he yeah. should have made it a lot easier to get into it's not a terrible assumption based on some of the online comments like people like oh no i'm not saying were, people aren't like that oh okay but, the but i'm saying show that it doesn't benefit him to make the movie for those people yeah, it makes right, yeah. it benefits him to make a movie that everyone can enjoy yeah. or or at the at the risk of losing those people because you're not going to lose those people those people are going to see your movie no matter what at least right. once right yeah, at yeah. Least. and so if you make a movie and by the way the hobbit was supposed to be for children and whereas lord of the rings was not yeah so it, he made a movie that was more simple more dense and harder to, uh, to uh-huh. under like f- f- follow along with you know then and also it seems very strange i had to keep ripping on the hobbit but it, like it seems uh confused about how for kids it is because a lot of the stuff well he that, like i did read seems- that interview and he said he did want to make he, he didn't feel like he could go back to a children's movie after making the first three movies but it's still why not like it though had, he it, absolutely could. It, it has elements especially with like the the humor like a lot of it is like 
like the trolls like sneezing on people's like bodily fluid yeah yeah, yeah, humor. yeah. I, and uh, but then it also has like people like goblins being beheaded and like right i know and, and like yeah when gollum like, he didn't blend the adult out. child stuff as well as a pixar might sure for example yes, yes um so yeah it's it's uh but you didn't see it i didn't see it i'm sorry the, and the main thing is you you when you when you turn in for the first 25 to 35 minutes i would say you're like is it me or am i <laughs> not supposed to visually understand this movie like it's so visually jarring mm-hmm. because you can't tell if it's a real person any of them the, even the dwarves you can't tell what's cgi and what's did you see it in the 48 frames per second uh, i have a screener i don't know what that uh, okay, means so you watch, yeah, no that means no okay, um, okay no i didn't yeah, but I know. Did you? Uh, the, was it dramatically my, different to see it? I, I said I hated the movie. The first time I saw it, I saw it in 48 frames per second. The second time I saw it in 24 frames and per second. And was it, how different was it? I did not like the 48 frames per second at all. It might work better as maybe other parts of movie making, like lighting and stuff, get used to how that looks. Mm-hmm. And also, I might have liked it better if I'd liked the movie, but it just looked very uh, fakey and video. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, every critic said it looked like a video game. Yeah, David, let me ask you this, because I was talking with a friend recently about The Hobbit, and I said, you know, I think I might just see it in the regular frame rate. And he said, well, I'm kind of of the opinion that you should see it the way the filmmaker meant it. And sure. it's something that I agree with. I saw, I saw Life of Pi in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in that, and in that moment, I was like, yes, but I feel like sometimes the filmmaker should know better. <laughs> and I know that I know that, and I don't I don't think I actually agree with that but to a certain extent with something like this it's like but his choice makes it uglier and I don't yeah. I want to mm-hmm. be able to see the movie without the distraction but that I, he has placed on it. I'm going to say that it's because we're going to see more high frame rate stuff in the in the future this is the first one and I think as a as a movie buff yeah. you should see it in 48 frames per second. Just so just, just for perspective yes. so you have something to compare later films. Yes, cuz I'm okay. still as much as I didn't like it I'm still looking forward to Avatar 2, uh, which will also be high frame rate. It might be as much as 60. I don't think it's been... uh, I don't think he's settled on it quite yet. But Mm -hmm. it's... Because the same thing happened. I was... I felt the same way about motion capture um, that I do about high frame rate. And then I saw Avatar, and that was the first one where it really worked for me. And I think James Cameron knew how to blend. Because I think the, the, the best choice he made is that even the real stuff in Avatar like feels like it's all cgi because he like did stuff to it in post so that mm-hmm. it, it's so it blended yeah better. it's seamless i enjoyed it, avatar me too a lot yeah. this guy hates it yeah i but, don't ha- ha- let, no i guess i kind of do <laughs> let's find out more about you okay julian all right um well the first thing i always like to ask is where you're from oh uh, that's uh i was uh, i'll just say this i was born in philadelphia we moved to portland uh i'm sorry portland uh Maine. Okay. No, sorry. What? Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take Portland, Maine was the first one that popped into my head for some reason, but I've never lived in Portland, Maine or been there. Uh, Portland, Oregon. We moved to Portland, Oregon. Then Eugene, Oregon. We moved. Then we moved to Oakland, California. Then we moved to San Francisco. Then we moved three times within San Francisco. Then we moved uh, without a plan when my parents decided to... Uh, when I was 10 years old, put everything we had into a moving van or truck and drive cross country with no destination in mind. We were, they were just going to stop when they saw a town they liked. Were your parents on the run? It like, sound, I, yeah, I, it I, sounds like uh, running on running empty. Running on empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they they were just. Uh, it's you know, it's hard to it's hard to have a witty answer for this, but it, it they weren't on the run. They weren't in the military. They just 
would be somewhere for a little while and then not want to be there anymore. It's really not okay. that easy to explain. But um, so then we left. The, the short answer they gave for why we left San Francisco was they were sick of looking for parking. <laughs> um, so we moved cross country. We ended up in Pittsfield, Massachusetts for a year. And then we moved to South Jersey. We're uh, back to our roots, basically. My, my dad's family is from Philadelphia and um more we moved to south jersey right near philadelphia and then i kind of finished school there finally in one place and uh and then i went to sonoma state for my first semester of college and then came back because uh everybody i was like i'll go there it's by san francisco it is not by san francisco (laughs) this was uh after the internet but before i uh planned anything in my life so Uh i was just like it's probably close literally (laughs) and went to a school and then got there and i was like oh it's not close like there was no way to look that up uh so i was wait if you have a did you have a car no okay because i was out of state and i didn't have, right you know yeah. so i get to sonoma state it's in the middle of wine country which is great if you're over 50 but if you're 18 <laughs> it's the worst place it's so boring beautiful but boring and uh they had amazing weed i mean the, the marijuana there is like unreal but nobody drank because the weed was so good and so you just end up with nothing to do high like so high <laughs> And the only memories I have of Sonoma State are um, my English teacher, because he was a Native American, what? And then, uh, and being high and playing Final Fantasy VII on the original PlayStation. That's all I remember. Uh, I got so bored, so I moved back to Rutgers University in New Jersey, and that's where the action was. Uh, it's an urban campus, and it's, it's disgusting, and it's a black hole, and I loved it. And uh, that's where I uh, started working at a comedy club and then stuck with it and eventually moved to New York. And then the rest is and then I moved to L.A. a year ago. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, that's that, that was such a great answer. I feel like I, I never get the answer I want when I ask people where are you from. And that, that was it. People, people uh, almost can, always answer with a semi-apologetic tone. I yeah. don't know why. Now I have the. Perfect, I know I don't even have to ask that question anymore. OK, good. Yeah. I want to talk about. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't realize you'd been here for such a short, short amount of time. time. Yeah, like I okay, I, I, a little over a year. A little I, over a year. I'm from uh, St. Louis, the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri, originally. Mm-hmm. I went to school for one year in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, uh, no, no offense, sorry, but I, I didn't Missouri. ask you. <laughs> no. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but this is this is important. Okay, or it's not important. It's important to me, uh, but to the point that. I'm <laughs> Um, it is it is very is important. important to him. Yes. That is an amazing quote, by the way. This is important. Okay, it's not important, but it's important to me. Which, by the way, is sort of the that's sort of the slogan for podcasting in yeah, general. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just summed up podcasting. Um, so one year in Springfield, Missouri, uh, and then went to college in. Chicago. Now is that the Simpsons Springfield? Supposedly, uh, they never uh, they never say. Here's the thing. I I, think, I know they never I said, but officially they, no, people figured it but out. But having lived there, yes, <laughs> okay, all right, very much so. Okay, so Springfield, Missouri. Okay, and then, this which, is the Midwest, correct? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. so that was one year, and then I moved to Chicago, where Tyler and I went to college together. And like, I, even before I moved to Chicago, the first time I visited Chicago to look for an apartment for moving there that fall, within an hour of being there, I was like, I fucking love this place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Chicago's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then I graduate. Um, from college kick around chicago for a little over a year not kick around i was working you know i was managing a video store but you know not mm-hmm. really a lot of prospects i wanted to come out and get into working in movies and stuff um I, I i moved to los angeles and spent the first year and a half 
wishing I lived in Chicago still. I yeah. hate, I hate yeah, it yeah, here yeah. at first. So I'm wondering, have, it's cause I, I think because now I love the city. I love Los Angeles, but it really is. How long have you been here now? A little over seven years. Seven years, yeah. Um, I've it, I've been here about a little over a year. <clears throat> I kind of like it. I, I, you know, I, I like my job right now, so that's uh, you know working on the TV show is kind of cool. So uh, that's helped. Um, it also helped that you know because when we first moved here, we I, I had been living in New York for six years, New York City in the East Village, and when me and my wife moved out here, all our friends were like, "Move to Los Feliz." It's like it's just like New York. And it's not no. at all. It's just the dirty part of Los Angeles. And they're like, see, it's like New York. And you're like, yeah, that's why I love New York was the dirt. That was the best part. So um, we got an apartment and it was fine. It was nice. It was much nicer than our apartment in New York. Um, but it still just wasn't, I don't know, it felt kind of funky. And, you know, there was not much walking and all that, like people promised. So, you know, she made the decision. She said, you know what? We're in L.A. Why are we trying to recreate New York? You can't do it. Let's move somewhere that's like real California. So I um, found the valley, basically, uh-huh. where you could get a house with a pool and everything and rent it. It's crazy. Like, you, that's there's nowhere else, uh, nowhere I've ever lived where that was possible. And so that's what we're doing. We, uh-huh. we are renting a full house with a pool, and it's uh, pretty awesome. So that's helped. But no, we're, it's, LA's tough because... It's very isolating. Mm-hmm. Everybody says that, but it's it's incredibly true. When in New York, when you leave your front door, you're just confronted with so much humanity and so much diversity. You can't, you just can't be comfortable all day if you yeah. don't. It, it, even if you want to be, you can't. Well, if I can interject yeah. quickly here, the thing I moved here in the fall of 2005. It was the spring of 2007 that I got a bike and decided if I can get somewhere without being in my car. Then I'm going to do that. I'm going to take public transit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ride my bike, mm-hmm. and that's really what opened up this. Like, I started loving Los Angeles yeah. once I was like actually in it for mm-hmm. that exact reason you're talking about. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, and I have a bike and I ride it to work and everything, and it's it helps a little bit, but um, yeah, it's basically more of a social problem. I feel like it's hard to it's hard to find people that I uh, jibe with. I don't know. Everybody's so like, uh, they, they play the fence. You know, they want to see what you can do first or who you are, or what you can do for them or whatever. So everybody's just kind of generally nice to each other because you don't want to make any enemies that might end up being someone that could hire you at some point. And you don't want to engage too deeply because people feel like, well, I, have only, I only have so many resources, time and money, and I can't invest in somebody that's not going to end. You know what I mean? I get and that. And someone you um, might be competing with in some way. Or something. Or yeah, who knows? And it's, just, it's just weird. I feel like people are just like kind of Teflon around here. And so that's been a problem. What's funny is when I moved to the Valley, everybody was like, oh, the Valley, apparently there's a stigma about this place. Like uh-huh. it's like the suburbs or it's lame or whatever. And I remember uh, early on in my act, I stopped. Uh, doing this joke because it was not ingratiating me to the audiences here (laughs) but i was like yeah i just moved to the valley and people in la said that it was lame and i i go no 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 i uh I just moved here from New York City. You're all lame. <laughs> it doesn't matter if there's a mountain range. That's how I always felt to about, my south. That's how I always felt when I moved to uh, Springfield, Missouri, from Denver. Not that Denver is a great place, but I moved there, and then everyone there makes fun of Northern Arkansas because it's like an hour away. Yeah, and I was just like. Who are you making fun of? Yeah. Don't you realize you're the world's Arkansas? Right. Like, <laughs> just like, you, you don't have any right to do this. Right. But I guess everyone needs to cling to something. Everybody's you know? got to have something. Yeah. 
so anyway, it's, but it is growing on me. And, I, and I, I will say this: the, the movie theaters are awesome here. They're uh-huh. so much better than back east. It's crazy. It's growing on me and my wife. It's just the social aspect has been tough. But but we really like the place and we like the businesses and we like the restaurants and all that kind of stuff. The one thing I haven't gotten used to because I like to drink socially. It is a bit more difficult to drink in Los Angeles the way well, I, I was Chicago. a raging alcoholic in New York for real I'm not like yeah. kidding around and it was awesome it's like you can't you can't mess up it's like a whole you know those um, bowling alley bumpers they put in the gutters like for kids so they can just throw the ball and it'll hit the pins I feel like that's what New York is for drunk people like no matter what there's someone will get you to your apartment door if it's a cab or a subway or a police officer or another drunk person you will get home yeah. and and in LA I feel like I don't drink anymore which is you know um good but if I did I'd be furious that I had to drive everywhere yeah you know what I mean tough. so you know, that it's is very tough. strange my my Los Angeles experience is, is in some ways very similar because it took me a while to make friends and I found this place to be very uh, lonely but uh, as far as like uh, the like the driving thing maybe it's because I do keep different hours than most people because I do most of my driving. You have no problem after. driving drunk. Exactly. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, after midnight, there's not a lot of people out. What Everyone's are you got hit? places to be. Um, and so, <laughs> but I will drive around a lot after midnight, and there's no there's no traffic or anything. Well, not out here, not in the valley. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, and if somebody ta- if somebody's like, hey, I I need a ride to the airport. I need to be there at like 4 a.m. It's like no problem. That's uh, I love that because then it's like a nice smooth drive the whole way. Wow. Now I know who to call. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It gives me the excuse to drive and then act. Like I'm in the movie drive because <laughs> right. that's a to, that's in some ways that's a very Los Angeles movie and in some ways it's just like how's this guy not hitting any traffic oh because he's driving at night okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I'm kind of like the guy from Drive is what I'm saying right by the way that'll get so. us back to movies but I did want to mention you're welcome okay. uh, I did want to mention that I um, lived in Hollywood for my first five years here and was one of the people who slagged off on the, the valley and then moved to the valley when i moved in with my girlfriend and i, I love north hollywood yeah, yeah. sooner or later everybody winds up here um and <laughs> right. then they and then they wind up like me which is just defense like it's fine it's oh yeah it's, it's great yeah i love our house it's awesome it's the best place i ever lived <laughs> yeah I, I can walk to a lemley theater from my house i've got a, a a couple of a couple of bars and restaurants you can walk to a theater i can walk to two theaters you know uh, what i also love about uh, yeah. the valley is that it's it's the 80s here it's still the 80s here and so my favorite music is is like i very deeply connect to music that a lot of people don't take very seriously Mm -hmm. and and when i if when you drive around the valley at night and all the neon that's like Uh i I love that businesses that aren't even fun have like neon everywhere (laughs) like you go by a a, like a a pharmacy and it looks like a mall that with like teen girls hanging out in front and you're like what is that and they're like an accountant you're like what (laughs) so you just like drive around in your car listening to the bangles and it just everything fits it's perfect you know what i mean it's like miami vice never stopped exactly jan hammer so anyway so um uh, do you have do you have a lot of favorite 80s movies oh sure do you like yeah. do you like uh manhunter i always like to bring up uh when we're talking about which one was man no i don't know man wait i, I have was, to see, i have to see manhunter i keep hearing that it's it's like a serial killer movie right yeah it's well it's the first movie that hannibal lecter was in right. when he was brian cox before he i'm was sorry i read the book i'm okay. like why do i know this oh, i haven't Dragon, seen the movie yeah, okay. yeah 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 i haven't yeah. seen the movie it's but awesome, i want to it's, I a, it's a very great. 80s movie in a way that, that that sounds like an insult but in a way that i love when yeah. i th- when i do if somebody says 80s movie i do go to manhunter immediately which yeah. seems strange 
Prestige for that is not uh, the, the movie that most people think of when. But the way, but it's directed by, by Michael Mann, who did right. Miami Vice, mm-hmm. and really, and no matter what time period he's in, he does tend to embrace the filmmaking style and certainly the musical style of the time. Yeah, and so you watch Manhunter; it's like this was obviously made in the in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it sounds like an insult, and, and some of that music is just like, oh man, that's a lot of synth. But uh, <laughs> oh man, but I love but synth. It's, it's pretty great. I, yeah. I think you'd love it. It's good stuff. Yeah. I got a, uh, but yeah, the movie, eighties movies, you know, the, the ones that the first movie I ever saw in the theater, I was five years old or I think I was five years old and I was, and my, my parents took me and my sister who was 10 to Ghostbusters, uh-huh. which is a comedy unless you're five years old. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I was terrified and couldn't get to sleep that night. And I was just like, you know, it was just the worst. And, um, I remember Cindy Lauper's time after time came on the radio and I was able to rock myself to sleep to that. <laughs> that was how I got through my ghostbusters experience. Um, but the real eighties movies that matters to me are, are unfortunately not very original. Uh, it's the, you know, the John Hughes and I sure. love, uh, when I was, you know, my sister made me watch 16 candles and some kind of wonderful and all those movies before I got to high school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought high school was going to be like that. So you can imagine my surprise when I got to school on the first day and there were black kids. <laughs> Take that, John Hughes. So anyway, but I love uh, 80s movies. Valley Girl's a great movie. I've um, never seen that one. Neither have I. Oh, it's phenomenal. you got to see it. Nick Cage, I've, early uh, days, when he cared, as, when he really gave it what he had. <laughs> and as far as John Hughes, I've never seen, I've never seen Some Kind of Wonderful and I've never seen uh, Pretty in Pink. Oh, I, uh, that's a, that's actually pretty pretty good. Yeah. I've seen Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club. And, is and, this a uh, flippable table, or <laughs> should I? Now, my wife's gram, uh, grandfather made this table. Oh, did he? So it's a very sturdy table. You okay. can't flip this. Thing. All right, fine. Um, fine. So you're a big fan of because you didn't mention Pretty in Pink. So uh, oh, no, no, yeah, Pretty in Pink. I didn't feel like I had to run down the line because everybody knows his catalog. Right. He's you know. For a long time, I wasn't a big fan of his as a mostly as a director. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll throw this to you because what was I thinking? Oh, I was thinking of the my least favorite movie of 2012, Struck by Lightning, uh, which will be the next episode of More Than One Lesson. Uh, Struck by Lightning is a very small movie. Written, oh, I never heard, uh, heard of Written it. by Glee's Chris Colfer. He wrote a movie? He sure did. Wow. And uh, I have a script. We have a script. I'm writing a script right now with my friend, and we want Chris Colfer as a hitman because it's <laughs> such a good, you yeah, know. Yeah. That's not bad. And he's like fucking evil. <laughs> But he's Chris Colfer, so you're going like uh, like Elijah Wood in Sin City kind of thing, where he's just kind of yeah, and he, and he's actually in the New Jersey Mafia, and people are like, "How can you be in the Mafia? You're clearly gay." And he's like, "It's 2013. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the Mafia knows there's gay people." You know. It's interesting. Oh, I love I'm, this idea. Yeah. yeah, and it sounds like that character, even though he kills people, it sounds like he's probably more likable than he was in Struck by Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it that it, so it got me thinking that movie because. You know, the character talks about, like, well, there's the jocks and there's the cheerleaders. And, and part of me is like, I, I I went to high school. I didn't see any cliques like that. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. there were, like, there were the guys, like, on the football team and they hung out with each other. But that's just because they saw each other a lot. Then they hung out with other people as well. Yeah. And just, and then, like, there was not, like, the head I- cheerleader and she was not the most pop- And I went to two different high schools mm-hmm. and then I went to middle school before that like I didn't see that yeah. I saw no evidence of that and yet it is still perpetuated and I think some of that might be John Hughes like especially The Breakfast Club where each person is is yeah. sort of representative of one thing but I still think that movie's pretty good mm-hmm. um, I don't love it but I think it's pretty good so like do you think that is do, do either of you think like 
when are high school movies going to stop doing that? It's one of the things I liked about Superbad is like there is no clear clicks there. It's not clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good them. point. I don't know. Well, that's the thing about 80, 80s movies in general is there was people were much more comfortable in the 80s drawing characters with very broad strokes. And it mm-hmm. was like you could just be, you know, oh, women are always shopping and men are always, you know what I mean? <laughs> men watching football is like a very, you know, archetypal way of making movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, Apatow, especially in comedies, has been the guy to to kind of say we don't need to do these cartoonish characters to be funny. We can mm-hmm. actually have, you know, real life is funny. Did you yeah, know? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but my favorite thing is in Ferris Bueller when she's listing the cliques in the school, and it's like, <laughs> ne- what are what are these groups of people you're talking about? The Spazoids and the Dweeboids, and it's like, yeah. what? I don't who. It, feel, it feels like the trailer for The Hobbit, where uh, yeah, yeah, where yeah listing. is listing all the uh, all the. All the uh, dwarf names. Yeah, like none of them saying, exist. You're saying sounds now. I don't so know funny. what this means. But I, you know, I also uh, am fairly, I would say, educated in film stuff, like real movies. You know what I mean? I'm not just like a huge John Hughes fan, and that's where it ends. But like, you know, I enjoyed them. I haven't watched them in a long time. I feel like this is actually. But the I also box like like Herzog. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. You know what I mean? Did you yeah. see Jack Reacher where he plays the bad? No, guy? I haven't seen Jack it's Reacher. Cool. It's a cool movie. Is it good? Yeah. I was kind of hoping it was good. I, I still like Tom Cruise. I find I, the more crazy he is the more i like him the more <laughs> he doesn't the the more that comes out about him i feel like the the press is trying to make him like they're trying to kind of bring him down or something and i'm like he's fascinating are you kidding me <laughs> it is weird because jack reacher did not do very well right no. i know i know it was up against some fairly stiff competition but like unless he's part of like a mission impossible movie like his movies haven't been doing well and i wonder if it's because people are souring on him as a person, I still think he's an interesting actor. I just think Jack Reacher didn't have the. No matter when that movie came out, okay. I feel like it didn't. the The trailer doesn't doesn't grab people. I, it's I, too generic looking. I, it's probably a good. I got that sense. I was like, I bet this is a good movie, but yeah. they're not doing a good job. I I, I, I tend to. I, I try to avoid trailers as a as a policy. So I hadn't seen the Jack Reacher trailer, and then after I saw the movie and was surprised and liked it, yeah. I was like. Oh, we'll go see what the trailer is, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to do well because the, yeah. the trailer is so generic." So somebody should put I together a list of like movies that got the most fucked over by their trailer because oh. there have been movies where you're Adventure like, Land. they tried to sell it as a comedy in the trailer, and then you go right. and it's like a fucking horror movie. Like, there's um, really bad. Well, speaking of Jack Reacher, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote The Usual Suspects, and mm-hmm. the only other film he wrote and directed was The Way of the Gun, which is this sort of like yeah, Philippe, super like, but it's super like postmodern noir like ponderous sort of artsy but violent film and if you watch the trailer which i did again i rewatched way of the gun it's like a madcap road movie right the trailer Isn't has it? like it has like limp biscuit songs in it uh. it's like and they're trying to make it kind of this quirky type thing whereas and while the while the film does have like kind of that uh, Elmore Leonard-esque dialogue like there really is a weight to that film that is not at all expressed yeah. in the in the yeah. marketing campaign. But the my wrong is, or, is the Jack Reacher character in the mo- in the book a giant person. He's yeah, he's supposed to be like 6 foot 5. Yeah, yeah, like it's that. so funny. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> um and it was real quick on the way of the gun. Have you have you seen the way of the gun? I saw the way of the gun years ago, so I'm not very fresh on it. Because that is a movie that is is very funny in its own way. Because it does a thing. You're talking about it being heavy, but it is a thing where like you'll start and you're like, oh, there's a metaphor going on here, and then the mm-hmm. movie will like recognize the metaphor and then go further its way of saying like 
no, this is not a metaphor. It's just a movie. Like it keeps yeah. pulling yeah. the fuck out from under you. Like, and that's why I refer to it as postmodern. When I say it's, it's really heavy, smart. I don't mean it's dour. I mean right. it still right. has a lot. No, of No, you're life saying to there's it. some substance to yeah, it. Yeah, right. right. The, my favorite movie. This kind of reminds of the way you're describing this. The and it reminds me of my favorite movie of the past year, which is Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. Oh God, so you guys didn't it. like it. It's, I haven't I, seen, he it. Hasn't seen it. I, it's, I did. Did you like In Bruges? I didn't see him, Bruce. I did. Oh. I love him, Bruce. Okay, well, you know, so it's the same guy. It's, a, it's at this $3 theater. I think it's superior. I it. It's superior to him, Bruce. Really? Yeah. Okay. And um, I don't know why you didn't like it. Maybe you're a bad person. <laughs> Maybe I but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great. Now, what didn't you like about it? Uh, man, I... I should go back and so read my things. review. <laughs> I should go back and read my review so that oh, I'm I'll go read. I'll, sure about what we, I'm saying. We'll talk about. I'll, we don't have to talk about it now. I'll read your review. But uh, there was. Uh, I thought. I thought Sam Rockwell was great. Sam Rockwell was amazing. Yeah. Sam Rockwell was so good in that movie. I was like, that's an example of someone that is so good that they. One of the I, there's got to be a term for this or whatever. When a when a writer that's a great writer writes a character. That is so stretching the boundaries of what you can do in a script that only like maybe three people could even play the thing and do it to the point where it makes it still work. Mm-hmm. I felt like that's what was going on in that movie. Yeah. That Sam Rockwell is one of the few guys that could actually do that character yeah. in a way that makes the movie it's, work. In, in, any, in any situation that you're talking about one of those actors that can play that role no matter what the is role Sam is, is Sam Rockwell he's unbelievable yeah. he's trailers. the only guy my wife like is crazy about because she is so <laughs> critical good, she's good she's takes. an incredibly critical person and in, in, in a very sharp and smart way and all that so it, it's hard for her to enjoy a lot of things but she loves Sam Rockwell so I have to assume uh, you guys saw Moon yes she loves Moon yeah she, it's uh, one of her favorite movies I find it too uh, it makes me feel bad inside <laughs> well, real quick i want to say before we move on from seven psychopaths and speaking of trailers there's a part that's funny in the trailer where it's sam rockwell talking about how um uh an eye for an eye makes the whole world go blind and how that isn't true right because the last guy is gonna have <laughs> yeah. an eye yeah but like it's just a little line in the trailer that's funny he goes on for like two full minutes about it in the car yeah 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 it's great it's really funny but yeah. um oh go ahead um, I would think you would like that movie because it's about the nature of storytelling and the nature of movies. And, and I guess I just find that kind of stuff. It's movie for you don't the same like reason it. I didn't like. Did um, you not like adaptation? I, I didn't like adaptation. I didn't. Oh like, well, this is what we're dealing with I now. Like I know. Dicky, New York. I didn't see that one. I thought that one looked like it was going to make my head hurt. It's, I think it's just a thing, like a, a sort of self indulgent like thing that is not doesn't doesn't speak to me. I love that stuff. I think <laughs> it's a, a real feat if anybody in any in any art form or sport even can somehow deconstruct what they're doing and make it enjoyable for an audience mm-hmm. that is an incredibly ambitious undertaking and so when it's done well i think it deserves applause and and i feel like adaptation did it and i feel like seven psychopaths did it. i did not see connected to new york but i wish i could think of an example of somebody who tried to do that and it was a disaster i know i'm kind of racking my brain because i know that there have been versions where like they where try it's to just make- like okay you're navel gazing to the point where like I don't well, give a shit, or it doesn't make sense. And they and there are sometimes where like uh, they'll like pull the rug out from under you, and after a while, it's like okay, there's no now there's no stakes. Now right, I don't know yeah, anything. Exactly, you're exactly. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you think of one? It looks like I you thought, thought of one. this movie that's so obscure. It was it was made a few years ago. Visually stunning movie. There will be blood. Is that the one? <laughs> no, yeah, okay. yeah. Never heard of it. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> no, visually stunning movie. It was directed by a guy who was mostly a vi- uh, music video director. Uh-huh. And it was about a guy who's like injured or in a coma or something from a, a, the an early bell war. And the butterfly. No. Damn. 
and it was a dream it turned out to be kind of a death dream sequence thing and he like teams up with a little girl and she goes on this like magical realism adventure what the fuck was it called man oh man it's but it was like big, it was fairly definite. big budget and it didn't do well in the box office but i saw it and i loved it and the lead in it was he looked like billy crudup but i don't think it was billy crudup <laughs> Who looks like Billy Crudup? Uh, every a, guy. A I don't number know. of indie actors? I know. Ah, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what to... It was like 2007, maybe. Boy, oh, boy. That is gonna... Be, I'm gonna have to look it up when I get me. home. I'm sorry. This is like terrible podcasting. Actor, I could look it up. I know. I'm sorry. I, I don't... Do you remember who made it? You don't he, he was a music it? video director. Okay. Oh boy! Oh, but just, there's like scenes out on a desert, and it's all magical real. It's magical realism, and it's amazing really good all fuck right. oh well all right oh that we should would... move on to something that's gonna that's gonna bug the shit and out of me. yet here's the thing anything we it's say a shame now... you guys don't have to call-ins because yeah. i could call in on your next one <laughs> yeah 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 well uh i tell you what the next time we we record we'll let you know hey this hour we're going to be recording we'll have let's our do phone it on and, and i'll we'll text hold you up, hold it up to the mic yeah absolutely um okay. or if anybody is listening to this maybe knows what i'm talking about he was he was injured he's a soldier that's staying in a vet in a vet uh veterans hospital it's not jacob's ladder is it no it's a few years older no no no. this is a beautifully (laughs) stunning looking movie it's great it's beautiful jacob's ladder is the most terrifying thing (laughs) it's gross uh i think i would have rather gone to nom than watch jacob's ladder again (laughs) um god that's a great movie though who made jacob's ladder who was that uh adrian line okay fatal attraction and um, flash dance, so very, <laughs> a varied career, and unfaithful. But he also did unfaithful, yeah, which I love. Unfaithful was great. Yeah, he had one recently. Oh man, that scene when he get, when uh, he hits him with the snow globe is such a great scene. Yeah, yeah. It, Spoiler, it's, I yeah, guess that's all right. It's, it also reminds me of um, that. That shot reminds me of uh, the awesome effect in Talented Miss Ripley when yeah, the or with the or and, and his just face just splits open. Yeah, like you, you looking at his Jude Law, he looks normal, and then suddenly a cascade of blood starts coming oh, on the side of his head brutal it's really it's actually ripley is on netflix and i was uh i was gonna click on it the other day and i was like you know i bet this movie's great and i ju- i saw it when i was so young and i bet it's great and then i thought of that scene where he gets hit with the oar and i'm like ah, i'm not watching that. <laughs> it is it is a really good movie it's it's an example of because as i have a lot of movies it's single white female but for dudes right <laughs> isn't that basically the movie i'm sure that was the pitch okay um, but uh so I, I have a lot of movies, and a lot of them are not necessarily easy to watch. Mm. But then there are some that I will buy instinctively because I love Talented Miss Ripley. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I and I kind of bought it. I've only seen it once. Uh, and oh, that's nice. So that's fourteen years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's but, when I revisit every few years. Oh really? Talented yeah. And so really, really really I'm gonna watch it now. I'll watch it. And so, but I've only seen it's it. It's in Italy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so. And every time I think like, oh, I'll throw that in, then I'm like, man, this is an emotionally draining movie. Maybe I'm not in the mood for that right now. Yeah. Why did I buy this? Right. <laughs> and it's like, and then and then I come to this weird principle. It's like because it deserves to be owned. That's that's yeah. my weird but thing. No, like, but that's thing real. Is, that's, it's such a um, it's such a beautifully presented movie. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's shot like a a travelogue. Is it but, Gwyneth? Uh, yeah, Gwyneth. Um, it's directed by Anthony Minghella, um, who did. Uh, uh, you know, Cold Mountain and, and The English mm-hmm. Patient, but it's better than those movies. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. couldn't get into Cold Mountain. Uh, I, st- I I enjoyed watching Cold Mountain at the time for this a lot of the same reason. I thought it was really pretty to look at, but yeah. that's when I would I would never go back and watch Cold Mountain. Okay, again. and I did not like The English Patient very much. Uh, but 
the talisman Mr. Ripley manages to do what Cold Mountain couldn't, any English patient couldn't, is be really beautiful, but not have that dis- detract from the sort of inner emotional like right. stuff of the story. Uh, very, not very bad. Beautiful what was the Ryan Gosling movie uh, where he's a crazy rich dude uh, recently. Uh, oh, uh, is it all good things? All good things. I that never was, saw it. That's a beautiful movie. That's the same deal. Where it's like it's a gorgeous movie, but the whole time you're just like feeling sick inside. I don't know this movie. What is this? All good things. Yeah, it kind of came and went. Like I think it was on the shelf for like maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I don't remember who the woman is in it. But uh, yeah, I and I don't remember anything about it except that a friend of mine worked on like the the marketing campaign for mm-hmm. it. Huh. Anyway, you should check it out. It's good. Do you know what I uh, watched fairly recently because uh, Criterion put it out on Blu-ray is uh, Purple Noon, a movie I've been wanting to watch for a long time, which is – so the book, The Talents of Mr. Ripley, came out in like the mid to late 50s, and the first movie adaptation of it was a French movie called Purple Noon starring Alain Delon as – as uh, Tom Ripley. Mm -hmm. And it's also a lot of the same stuff. It's really, really good. To me, I know they're always like – I, there were always people who will say like uh, the original adaptation is better or the foreign version is better mm-hmm. because that's the but I st- I, th- I think Mingella's version is better and mostly it's because um, uh, the French one changes the ending from the book in a way that I that is don't uh, remind really me because I don't remember how the movie yeah ends. I won't I won't yeah because I know there's a big twist and I forget what it is I haven't seen Purple Noon I hear it's wonderful I wonder if maybe one of the reasons that Mingella's works is because the nature of Tom Ripley is that he is quintessentially, admittedly, the dark side of it, but he's quintessentially American. He's always moving up. It's kind of ga- it's kind of Gatsby, right? In that yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a man trying to create himself out of yeah. no- yes. out of nothing, yes. out of stories. And the thing is, in the French version, they are still supposed to be American characters. They're just but speaking you can- French because it's a French movie. Yeah, I only accept that from American. <laughs> you know, films. that's that's an interesting <laughs> that's an interesting idea that we don't seem to uh, want to learn the lesson of, which as a Americans, which is the Gatsby lesson. It's it's interesting to me that there was a time in American history when when a lot of people seemed to be concerned about the fact that America was a nation that invented itself and that that it might be full of shit. You know what I mean? Like, and and that that uh, that that was going to bite us in the end. You know that we're not like a. a uh, whatever you want to say i mean it, just being a new country that's saying hey we're starting mm-hmm. with a fresh you know and it, and it's uh like a, a clean slate or whatever and it's mm-hmm. like it's just interesting that that we kind of don't make those movies anymore or or, re- or nobody writes those books maybe they are i don't know but well and i it's it's interesting to look back in film and see that uh of course the western was all about that it's about people just going obviously going west mm-hmm. and just starting the new life for themselves yeah but the lesson wasn't the same i don't think as well and then then it switched over and said like yes but look at all the horrible shit that they had to do to do this yeah and maybe it wasn't worth it right Uh, just throwing that out there yeah well maybe we've gotten to the next step now we're you know 100 years later uh from uh gatsby was i guess 90 years ago Mm -hmm. uh um, jeez (laughs) yeah all right uh yeah where I feel the, the, I feel so old. <laughs> I was I was merely negative fifty when that movie came out. Um, so, uh, but I, I, maybe we've gotten to the point where that bubble has burst, and maybe it, it seems like there's maybe a bit more. Oh yeah, it was it was, it was an artistic concern, or it was a philosophical concern for a while, but now right. it's kind of. And now that's why all our well, all now our it's coming home to roost for real. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like. 
but like, you know, all, margin all, call. All our <laughs> most of most of our superheroes now are like not they're imperfect. They, they yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's like a darkness to them, and and we're I guess not we're more interested in like being aware of our shortcomings, maybe yeah. to a point. Yeah, now mm-hmm. it's all about weighing things, like weighing like okay. The choice I have to make, which yeah. is not good. School bus full of kids. Exa- right. right. Or, yeah. or or Mary Jane. Uh, or finding my own, my, the mystery about my father. Right. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, or it's, getting the guy who can lead us to Bin Laden, but I got to torture a guy to do it. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, fictional or or uh, real life. Like, it's just, that seems to be something that, uh, and it's, a, it's something I always respond and to. And you have to so. make that decision before I give you permission to die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two weeks in a row in a row with a guest doing a Bane movie uh, by the way it's uh, that movie (laughs) that movie that movie by the way way better the second time for some reason Dark Knight Rises yeah I thought it was better the second time yeah absolutely maybe not way better I enjoyed it a lot more the second time I still felt like it fell apart at the end I was a huge Batman person ever since I was like 14 he was the only superhero I love comic books and this was before I understood that comic books could be like it was before I knew about like um I don't know. I don't want to say I didn't know about American Splendor, but like th- those kinds of comic books, indie comic books, right, no right. superheroes, you know, that kind of thing. It was like, you know, when I was in 1996, I just thought there was just superhero comic mm-hmm. books, basically. And Batman was the only one that was like bad and dark and creepy. And you know what I mean? Wolverine and, can get there from time to time, but like the stuff. Marvel as a whole is pretty. Yeah. And, and, and when they brought in like certain writers, uh, you know, like an Alan Moore. Yeah, you can Frank get there Miller, sometimes, like, but uh, like Batman really embraced that. They really yeah. saw what that character. And when you're could 14, be. 15, 16, you're just fucking miserable, and every other thought you have besides boner is is I'm ter- I'm miserable. Like uh-huh. Batman is great. You know what I mean? Because it's like, and there's nothing like being miserable with a boner, right? Yeah, it's like pretty it really- great. <laughs> Reading Batman, listening to Alice in Chains. I mean, that's basically that's my entire adolescence. I haven't thought I, about I, Alice I liked, in Chains in years. Uh, I liked. Um, the Punisher when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was supposed to be good, yeah. Because he, it basically boiled down to the fact that he didn't wear like an outfit. He wore a yeah. t-shirt and a trench coat. Like, mm-hmm. and I thought that t-shirt had a big skull on it, though. Yeah, but I thought that like in their spandex, I thought the X Men look looked lame. Mm-hmm. Like I've gotten yeah used to that used true. to it now. But it was a tough. It was a real like barrier for me to get into super. I wasn't into superhero comics as a kid, and a lot of it had to do with costumes. Yeah. What is your uh... I don't know if you had another uh, question, but I'm curious because I never talk to uh, guys that are obsessed with movies, supposedly. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Do you guys talk about this all the time? Oh, I Well, have, mine mine recently changed, but you go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I have a favorite movie. It's not that I think it's the best movie of all time or anything. I think it's a really good movie. Isn't it kind of weird that we kind of think we get to know people by knowing what they like when, in fact, that has nothing to do with anything about the <laughs> person? <laughs> like, your answer is going to shade how I feel like you are as a person, and yeah, it's I've, probably got no... I'm okay with that, because my favorite movie of all time uh, has always been and will probably always be Barton Fink. Oh, I love Barton Fink, and but you're sick. The reason is, the reason is because I mean I that's always, a movie about making movies. You're yeah, busted. Yeah, I like that one. That one works. All right, um, but here's uh, the reason. Okay. Podcast over. I always, <laughs> as a kid, I always loved movies, mostly comedies. I watched movies all the time. I didn't have a lot of friends. I just yeah. you know, tape stuff off, off TV and watch it over and over again. Or like if I was at the grocery store because the grocery store Schnooks is the chain in St. Louis uh, had the video store counter like the yeah. video. Uh, section and so like i have to go to the grocery store with my mom or whatever and um i get to pick out a movie and i was i guess it was probably about 
eighth grade when mm-hmm. I was uh, I probably at the grocery store with my mom and somehow convinced her maybe she didn't notice that it was rated R because she was pretty strict about that but I basically just saw like the cover of the Barton Fink VHS has like John Goodman like flipping up his tie to show that there's like a sexy like a picture of a sexy girl on the oh screen. really I don't remember that like, and yeah. I was like oh I like John I just Goodman. remember the John Turturro uh, poster right right yeah. but it was like I like John Goodman this looks funny and I watched it and it's so fucking crazy oh and yeah I was like, how old were you? Uh, I was probably thirteen. Did you and you did you enjoy it? Yeah, really. Yeah, because I saw Barton Fink and hated it. And this story is so funny because it's exactly the Simpsons uh, quote. Do you remember when they oh, yeah. get, they get fake IDs and they're like, "We're gonna go see an R-rated movie," and then they're they're driving away, and Millhouse is like, "Barton Fink, Barton <laughs> Fink," and it's like there couldn't be a worse R-rated movie for kids to see. Like, there's no sex, there's no bad language. Except, but isn't there isn't there a Simpsons where they sneak in to go see Naked Lunch? <laughs> yeah, and when they come out, with that I can think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's it, it's sort of the movie. Stoner's Pop Palace. Yeah. That's blatant false advertising <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh anyway barton fink sort of blew my mind and yeah. opened up uh, and just i started well like most coen brothers movies, movies you and, you you get more out of them the more you see them and i didn't like barton fink the first time i saw it and now it's amazing it's an amazing movie and yeah. uh it's crazy to me that any person under even 18 would be able to enjoy it on any level can i can i tell a story that's gonna it's gonna bring down the mood a little bit it's a maudlin sappy story but uh my favorite movie was Barton Fink, and I told my dad that, and he watched it, and he hated it. Right. Uh, and then, um, shortly before he died, um, my parents got cable for, like, the first time. Mm-hmm. And it came with, like, the first three weeks, had, like, the movie channels for free. Yeah. And I was living in Chicago at the time, so every once in a while I would call and just have long conversations with one or both my parents just to, like, catch up. And the last time I talked to my dad, one of the things we talked about was that he happened to have IFC and he rewatched Barton Fink and he, and he was, was like, like I still like, hate it no <laughs> yeah, that would, that be good. and then he died yeah and he said screw you dad no. but yeah he was like he was like I get it like I, I, I like yeah. it a lot more that's that's, that's my, a great story that's pretty I cool love, I love that story yeah that's a good story um, you know and like same conversation though uh, that was when the Cubs were in the uh, playoffs uh-huh. and right, yeah. and he and I was working in Wrigleyville right down the street from the the this story the, is getting very Ben Affleck Matt Damon like very like, very script they would write I was I was working just pretty much down uh, a few blo- few blocks down Clark from Wrigley Field and I mentioned like I was like this is a lot of there's, the atmosphere is like electric in the mm-hmm. air it's really fun and you know my dad and me were like Cards fans born raised yeah. to hate the Cubs and he just said remember where you're from boy <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good, funny having known your your father that's. Uh, that really is a good encapsulation of, of him and your relationship. Oh, that's really funny. Um, yeah, and and my my favorite film it was uh, Citizen Kane for a lot of the same reasons that he liked Barton Fink. I saw it at a pretty young age. Yeah, and I did not know what I was getting myself into. I knew that some people considered it to be the but best you knew movie you wanted time. to be full of shit. <laughs> Citizen Kane? Who says Citizen Kane's her favorite movie? A 15-year-old who, does, who hasn't seen a lot of movies. Okay. Um, and that's the thing. I, I I actually went in sort of with my arms crossed. And by the way, it, is, it has changed. Like, well, you're 15. The last, that's like... Yeah. That's how you go to everything. That's true. Yeah, right, yeah. Except, except like The Godfather, because at 15, you're like, ah, I like The Godfather. I'm cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's a fine movie. But, like, um, but Citizen Kane's like, how good could this be, really? Mm-hmm. And then you watch and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This is... You know what? It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but as as time has gone on, um, 
Uh, and in fact, in the last like six weeks, in, in, I, really? I, I reassessed and uh, now it is uh, Nashville. Nashville. So, the Wait. Robert Altman film. Oh, you know what? That I'm, I love Robert Altman. I think that's the only one I haven't seen. Aha! I got to see it now. That's not accusatory. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm just saying like. Good for you. I'm, yeah, I'm excited I think I'll for see you it. now. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite yeah, film? Is it? Wait, you said it was some kind of wonderful, right? Favorite movie of all time? No. No. Uh, my favorite movie is The Love Guru by Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> can't even bother to say the name of the actor. At this point, that's kind of how we, who he is, right? Right. Uh, no, my favorite. Um, you know, I, I I'm going to give this answer now because this this I think this this is the kind of thing that the answer changes every time somebody yeah. asks you. Um, but the other day, I said, I just brought this up apropos of nothing. There's a movie that almost every day of my life, someone will say something and it will spring a quote from this movie almost every day. And it, it's just so weird. It's like stuck in my head like a like a permanent, it's almost like a part of my personality or something. Mm-hmm. And it's Fargo. Oh, uh, yeah. Fargo, for some reason just stuck i can't yeah. get it out it's uh, I, I don't know if it's the characters or what but i mean it's i mean Mil- i for a long time i told people miller's crossing was my favorite movie but um when i really think about what i think about when it comes to movies and like mm-hmm. what i my references it's always fargo you know That's- i do i do love miller's crossing but like and and it's one that i would revisit a lot um i just got the blu-ray and rewatched miller's crossing for the first time in like a decade it's mm-hmm. so great yeah but it's a li- but it, it I, might I be a little it might be a little cold. It there's is some, a little there's cold. Something, there's something intangible. There's no about Francis Fargo. McDormand in, uh, in, yeah. in Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Basically, you know, there's no that character. Well, technically, she is in one scene. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love the scene. The, the scene that we just discussed um, was recently was was the best scene, which is the the Asian guy. I forget it. I don't know if you guys know his name uh, offhand. Mike, Mike Yanagita. Yanagita. Yes. Uh, that scene is stupendous uh-huh. where there you know he meets her and he, oh you're you're such a pretty lady you know <laughs> i always thought you were such a pretty lady and when she gets off the phone with her friend and tells her what happened and she says oh he never he never married that lady you know he actually was stalking her for a little while and you know whatever and you see on her face for the first time that she for the first time even as a cop realizes that people can lie to her face you know what i mean like she it's like a veil was was dropped from her face and that's in that phone call and that's when she realizes that um what's his name shameless william h macy is lying to her Mm -hmm. that's when she puts it together like oh you know what i mean so awesome and this idea of like because I, I love that because when you see that of, scene, you're yeah. like, "Why is this scene in the movie?" Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean. And the Coen Brothers almost always have one scene like that. Yeah. In every film. Well, Big Lebowski arguably is that entire the entire movie. <laughs> well, you talk about like uh, Big Lebowski is probably my favorite is my favorite comedy. You know, um, I now we, I just sound like a Coen jerk, but that, like that's fine, we can talk about the Coen I mean, Brothers because uh, you talk about quotability. I mean, those guys just make yeah. movies, man. <laughs> and I was just I even like Double Indemnity or whatever the fuck Cruelty, Tall and Tall, Cruelty. I didn't like that one. <laughs> double, but, cruelty. Uh, double Cruelty. Double uh, Cruelty. Just just today, I can't remember what sparked it, but I was thinking of a line from Fargo where she says, "So you were having sex with a little fella?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that one. Uh, but you know what? My, and it's the one that keeps in my mind all the time. And it's a beautiful day. Yeah, oh, at the yeah. very end. Yeah. And that's and for that's, what? A little bit of money. That's what I love about Fargo, and that, I think, is what is lacking in a lot of their films. Don't get me wrong. I love pretty much everything they've done. Um, 
not a huge fan of Intolerable Cruelty or the Lady Killers, but like <laughs> Lady but Killers is unwatchable. I never saw Lady Killers. Except for Tom Hanks' performance, who's clearly having the time of his life. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was. But the uh, <laughs> is like that scene and the and two you know, two more months, like they have these scenes of like just raw, just loving emotion for their characters, but they don't hang they don't hang a huge lantern on it. They don't say, Look at this, it's just here you are and it's a beautiful day. Like two lines, neither of them particularly poetic in the words, right, but in the the sentiment and the performance, like it's all there. Yeah. And it's like and that's why Fargo I think is their best film. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'd say it's my, it's probably my favorite of theirs. Do you know my yeah. favorite Coen Brothers film other than other than Barton Fink? Because people, yeah, people quote Big Lebowski all day long as they should. It's yeah. great. Uh, I watch that, but I think I I quote Raising Arizona so much. Raising that, Arizona, really? I don't even sometimes realize that I'm do, like I'll right. say I'll say say that reminds me because that's a thing that what's his name uh, who played uh, he was he was uh, Sam Levine's dad on Freaks and Geeks. He's, oh my! He's in a he's in a billion things anyway. Uh, but he's friends with McDormand's husband, mm-hmm. and he'll all, all be talking and then. His way of changing the topic completely is to say, "Say that reminds me," and then say something completely unrelated. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do that all the time. I also Sam McMurray. That's his name, Sam McMurray. <laughs> uh, so I, and I also do uh, uh, for the for the people at home. Uh, he did, was not looking anything up no, on, on yeah. his phone. He, he that's was, just in my brain. And by yeah. the way, I'm still working on that uh, <laughs> yeah, film, yeah. as I'm sure we all are. Oh um, God, that's gonna drive me. And insane. the other one that I say all the time, Frances McDormand, because she says, you know, you gotta you gotta find a physician, you gotta find a pediatrician, you gotta get get his his dip tet and and. <laughs> Holly Hunter's like, have we done that yet? And she's like, no. And Francis McDormand's like, you got to do that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 God. But the, what's the other, uh, I even loved, did you know, somebody told me this the other day, Entertainment Weekly gave uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou an F? Really? Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. Yes. If you have I a can. subscription, cancel it, by the way. I keep meaning to, but then they say like, hey, how about this? A year's worth for like three bucks, and it's just like, yeah, all it's right. Really cheap to, I've yeah. Been yeah, but what if what if what if one of their reviews they were like, and your dad's a piece of shit? Would you keep? <laughs> would you keep just because it's free? I don't know. Three bucks. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and they they have some pretty good Oscar coverage. I love Oh Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> uh, uh, we've been going for a while. We should probably start wrapping up. Yeah, we up. should. Okay, I, I, I wanted to just list off. Oh, Brother Art Thou quotes. Quote yeah, those are another, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We thought he was a toad. Yeah. That's my favorite We one. need to find a wizard can change him back. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like that's the that's the uh, film that really, really sort of put Clooney on the map as a potential comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, yeah, yeah, at the time, like, it he did was, seem odd. Like, out of sight, but he, he was good and out of sight, but yeah. that's not a... Like, he, he was good with, like, the like the one-liner and stuff like that. And uh, But then you see him in that performance, which yeah. is... It has over the, the top yeah, comedy. I mean, cl- it's, it has the Clooney yeah. confidence. Yeah, but nothing to back it up. Right. And any uh, you boys, Smitty's? Smitty's? Yeah. yeah, or if not Smitty's yeah. per se, otherwise yeah. trained in the metallurgy yeah. arts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want pop. God damn it. Yeah, I'm a Dapper Dan man, and just. <laughs> And then, uh, damn, we're in a tight spot. Like, just keep. <laughs> oh, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Yeah, that, that's a <sighs> so wonderful good. performance. I so remember he won a Golden Globe at the time, and uh, and. My cynicism for the Golden Globes had just sort of kicked a, in. A pittance, by the way, for that performance. <laughs> and I remember just being like, being like, ah, they just gave it to him because he was George Clooney. Then I saw the movie, like, no, I guess he deserves it. Maybe he should, maybe even should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. But yeah, that's, really. That's but right. they're not going to give an Oscar to that performance. No, oh yeah. my, no, no, not when they've got Syriana they can give it to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did not. That care movie for was that. boring. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, this has been fun. Uh, and time flew by. You're right. I didn't even realize it's been an hour and 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. uh, real quick, you guys at home can find us at battleshippretension.com where there's all, all sorts of other uh, fun things uh, in, in reviews, which are also fun, posted uh, daily, multiple times daily, really. Uh, you can email us, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. Tyler's other podcast is More Than One Lesson. That's at morethanonelesson.com. Did you have something you wanted to interject there? Uh, I had something regarding the BP website. Uh, this is the time of year when our when uh, selected writers are submitting their uh, their top tens of uh, 2012 yes, so we have between, a, we have a handful of them between new right years now. which was a couple weeks ago and the oscars there will be a new top 10 list from a different one of our contributors every friday yes uh, culminating in our top 10 episode the week before the oscars yeah that's how we that's how we roll battleship pretension style uh, my other podcast is uh, the television review show previously on that's at previously on show.com uh is that what else do I usually say? I don't recall. Okay. I'm well, sorry I threw you off by raising uh, my hand. Uh, is this when you promote my Twitter? This is where I say, <laughs> this is where I say, uh, Julian, where can people find you? Uh, my website is julianmccullough.com. Uh, at Twitter, I'm at, at julesmac with a Z. Okay. And uh, that's basically all I do. All right. I don't really, you know, and you can watch me every Wednesday on E uh, at 1030. It's between the soup and ch- it's right after the soup on Wednesday nights. 1030 and love you mean it yeah love you mean it with whitney and um i also do tbs interstitials that air during movies on saturdays for tbs Interesting. the guys that produce dinner in a movie i do i'm there i'm their next thing but it's not as big as dinner in a movie i uh, wish it were and you did a comedy central presents i did a which is a present special that you can watch on my website yeah okay or it you can download it on funny. itunes oh yeah. it is oh, very funny I oh thank you thanks yeah so Oh, and my new album will be coming out very soon with Comedy Central Records. Oh, cool. And it's called um, Don't Happy, Be Worry. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> on that note, and on that bit of advice, thank you, Julian, for being here. Sure. This thank was you. fun. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.